Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Not So Native Podcast. Let me introduce your host. My name is Rob Lamb. And I'm Aaron Bailey. Kick back and let us take you on a journey as we explore some of Arizona's most fascinating people, places, and things to do. Are you ready? Trying to get my tax documents together. Why so early? It's not the end of the year. Well, that's what my friends at MLR Professional Tax and Accounting said I should do. And they gave me this nice document holder to put them in to make it easier come tax time. Sounds like a big job. That's why I trust my friends at MLR Professional Tax and Accounting Service. Call them today, 623-505-7141 or mlrprotaxservice.com. You'll have to excuse some of the background noise in this episode. We recorded on-site at Crema Cottonwood along with our friend Roger Naylor and one of the owners of the Honda Group, Eric Jurison. Uh, it was certainly a busy Saturday morning for breakfast. Uh, we had you out in the patio. You can hear fans and lots of background uh, conversation. Great time, great food. One of the best mimosas that you'll find in definitely Arizona, but uh, I, I would dare put it up against any place in the, in the country. So enjoy, and uh, once again, excuse the background noise. Thank you. making it the uh, vibrant, happening place that you see today. So uh, I'm glad that he was able to stop by and just uh, uh, chat. Because not only he started out in Jerome uh, with the uh, one of my favorite places, Haunted Hamburger, was their oh, yeah. very first restaurant there. When did you start that? Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Keep the yeah. direction going. Well, I just wanted to, uh, uh, because that's one of the places that's uh, featured in my book, Boots and Burgers, because you make such a fantastic hamburger with an amazing view. What a combination that is. So, uh, and I'm, I'm just grateful that he decided to uh, bring his talents down into the valley and uh, revitalize Old Town. Yeah, we got a pizza from Bocci uh, last night. Fantastic. I would ask how it was, but I know it was good. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's a chef in all the kitchens, and she could be around, so of course I'm hoping she might hear that. Uh, I'm Roger Naylor, a Cottonwood travel writer, and, uh, Arizona author and travel writer. And, uh... My name's Eric Jerson, and I'm one of the owners of The Haunted Group. The Haunted Group? There you go. Very nice. So I have a question. Is it haunted? Yes. <laughs> a haunted hamburger. Yeah, there's nice. no question. Nice. No question, huh? Nope. Oh, wow. So what, do you, what are some common occurrences that you have going on there? You know, it really started in the beginning when the restaurant opened. You know, the building had been shut down for quite a few years, and so you're trying to put an old building back together. And, you know, it, it started with strange things. Well, I'll give you, for instance, we had no money. So we'd come up on our days up from the valley to work on the building, you know, and you're you're working on it. It's a four-story building, and, yeah, you, you, I'll give you, for instance, you, you put a hammer down, and you, you, you misplace it, so next time you have to go buy another hammer. And 
Go you misplace it. You know. So now I own three hammers, and then by this time I'm using a rock. You know, because I'm not going to buy another hammer. I know I've just misplaced them all. And I'm meeting one of the local restaurants with Michelle, and the server, an old-time local, said, "So have you have you seen the ghost up there at the palace? He's a he's a tricky one." And you're like. People in Jerome, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Roll your eyes. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And like, yeah, he likes to mess with tools. And I'm like, I didn't think about it, but we're talking about we walk back into the place, and all three hammers are just sitting there out in the open. Oh, no way. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's startling. But you're just like, well, the person told the ghost story, so you ignore it. The building had the old-fashioned couplings on the gas pipes leaked, so we couldn't pass a pressure test on the gas to get the building heated. So in the beginning, we had electric heaters and tape and plastic over all the windows, and I'm, I'm going upstairs, which I now know is the place, and as I'm going there to close one of the doors, it slams shut and just taps me in the face. Now, there's no wind, no spring on the door, no reason in the world this door just decided. But that was one of my first big drinking days down at Paul and Jerry's because I had to sleep in the building that night. And I'm like, did that really just happen? You're like, I'm sober. I'm not doing or smoking anything. Had that door just tap me in the face. And, and again, all before opening, these things would happen. Like, you know, like you'd be standing there and something would fly off the shelf. And when we're getting the Ansel system on, the guy was on the little ladder here to tie a tag on a system for the fire extinguishers. So he takes a wrench, you take it off, you put it on, you take your wrench to put it back on, he goes to pick his wrench up, it's on the other side of the kitchen, no one's up there but him, and he's never left his ladder. He never finished the job, he just left. <laughs> I mean, it was every day weird things. You go up in the morning and the hot water is on full blast, right? But if it was on overnight, it would run out. We had spirit people come to the seance and all the things. And if you believe in the spiritual thing, we made peace. We're just fixing your house up. And But, you know, you talk to the people upstairs and the ghost hunter people that show up. And it's always a female. It's always upstairs. I don't know. The old owner has a picture of shadows in the mirrors. And a couple of tourists through the years have come up with the same thing. Kind of strange. Yeah. I, I, so is it... Was it a house or was it, it was a, a... It's like most of the buildings in Jerome, it was a boarding house, you know, for the miners. Oh, So, okay. you know, three shifts of bed. Oh, yeah. So the beds were always in use by somebody. Yeah, hot cotton. Yeah, that's what they call it in the nation. <laughs> yeah. One out, one in. So, why, uh, why Jerome? Uh, my wife and I had owned restaurants down in the valley. We had a three-year-old girl and um, one of them um, epically failed. And um, we were just kind of starting up again, working jobs. And we were, didn't have a lot. And we were just doing a day trip to Sedona, and we stopped in Jerome. And we wanted to live in a small town. And, you know, you're, you're on a drive, and it's beautiful. And when we were there during day, we wanted to have lunch. And, like, where could we get, like, a, a Mexican food and a margarita or something? There were only a few couple restaurants at the time. And the restaurants that were there didn't sell alcohol. Well, we weren't smart enough to realize that as we were driving away. But when we drove into town. Michelle made the big joke because there was an old for sale sign on the building. It, was, it truly was sliding down the hill. And she goes, well, there's our next spot. I'm like, yeah, right. You know, it's 70-some stairs, no parking. And, um, and we ate at one of the local restaurants. And then we went and sat in Oak Creek. And while we were there in Oak Creek, you know, it just, I don't know, you started talking. She goes, 
you know, how many people you think were having lunch there? We're like, 80? You know, wasn't that good? No? And it's like, there could be an opportunity. And that we came the next weekend, and there used to be an old guy who drove a van drinking wine doing tours of Jerome and gave us all the gossip on the town. And there it was. Wow. We found the owner down in Mexico and bought the building. No money down, a couple dollars a month. Really? Um, a lot of uh, a lot of patch, a lot of concrete, a lot of steel. Through the years, the, when we first lived, we lived in the apartment underneath. My daughter was down there with a girl, and that's when the sons were in the playoffs with Barkley and everybody. Remember the our, our big grand days? We're in the building. The building's going like this, and we brought our little girl and put her on the top floor on the freezer to sleep. We're like, if we're gonna go down, she at least should be on the top of the rubble. And we, we've been doing a lot through the years. Twenty-six wow. years. This man. Years. So, do you still live in Jerome? I do not. Well, yeah, I do not. <laughs> Legally and technically, I still have an apartment up there, so I do sleep up there sometimes, right. due to libations and just a good night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give up my residency in Jerome. There you go. Now we always ask: so Are you native or not from here? Um, I moved to Arizona for me. I was 11 and I moved to Lake Havasu. So I started in Havasu and then Phoenix. Okay. I was not born. Roger. Uh, no, I came from Cincinnati, Ohio as a wide-eyed teenager, uh, a college freshman at uh, Northern Arizona University. Okay. I fell in love with Arizona right away, which was not so good for my college career. I was on <laughs> the dean's list the first semester, and I was on academic probation by the second semester. Because by then I, I figured out I could get up and walk to class in the morning, or I could hitchhike to Sedona, or the Grand Canyon, or down to the desert, or I was starting to explore and discover and uh, uh, that my college career kind of went away. But I've been in love with Arizona ever since and I knew immediately this was where I was going to live. When did you discover you had this passion for writing? Well, I, I knew I actually knew I was going to be a writer when I was like 13. I, I first read Mark Twain essays by Mark Twain, and that was it for me. I was done. I knew I knew I was going to be a writer. I didn't know how. I didn't know what it took to be a writer. I didn't know what route I wanted to take. I didn't really want to be a novelist or a journalist. I, I wasn't sure on anything. But uh, so by the time I was 18, I had my whole life figured out. I was actually one of those smart aleck 18 year olds that knew everything he was going to do. I was going to be a writer who lived in Arizona. I kind of took a nice little roundabout way to get there, but that's exactly what I've been doing for the last uh, you know, 27 years or so. Wow. Now, how long have you guys known each other? I feel like Roger was giving, throwing me bones early on in the career because he always been the travel writer for the paper for so long. You'd see his name pop up, but I really never met him. I met him um, years later through a, a mutual friend. But I feel like a decade or two. I feel like it's a long time. I was, in fact, one of the very first things I ever wrote for the Arizona Republic before I even got hired on there as a freelancer was about the haunted hamburgers. Yeah. Yeah. Right, little place. You know how an article's worth a thousand words, a thousand ads? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I'll take a sentence in an article to an ad all day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Better, better time spent, too. I would, I would like to know 
Would you have a restaurateur background before you and your wife met? My wife grew up in the, the business in Rhode Island. She grew up, her dad had delis, and her father came out. To, um, they hired him to open the original AJ's Deli on Lincoln, if we know the store, um, because they wanted an East Coast guy. And so that's what brought Michelle out. And at that point, me and a friend had stumbled into a restaurant in our teens in Scottsdale, had just been in the right place at the right time. And again, one of those no money down, we need someone to use this building. Remember, the hotels used to close in the summers in Scottsdale. So they only had to, you know, staff them up for season and then they locked them up. And we just stumbled upon one of those opportunities. And I met Michelle behind that counter in AJ's. Wow. Uh, so, I, I, like, I like hearing people's stories. So, from the Haunted Hamburger, you decided this is a great thing going. You come to Cottonwood? We, we truly decided that we couldn't work in a building together. So we had to open a second restaurant to save the marriage. It became apparent. You will not see Michelle and I in the same building at the same time. Um, and she, um, we opened the Drone Brewery, which is now Grapes. Oh. Um, time, you know, times change. People, tourists would come up and, and have two, three pints of beer and, and lunch because of the DUI laws are easier. Yeah. Then we switched to wine because now they only have one, so we better get them for a, a $10 glass of wine. And, uh, you know, lunch, it's, you know, it's more the quality of cocktails than the quantity. It was different back then. Right. And um, and there used to be a, a hula hands in the Biltmore Fashion Square. Yeah, I remember that. Michelle and I dated there in the 80s, and it closed down. Uh-huh. And we happened to be staying at that Embassy Suites next door, and we bought the, um, we were walking through, and they had locked the doors after 9-11. That year, we lost all our convention business in Arizona. Yeah. It was a rough year, and it, that was enough to finally push them off the edge with Houston's and the competition. And we bought everything wood in the place. The bar, the doors, the booths, the nicks, were actually from that hula hands. And um, so I just had it in storage, and I was going to put it in Clarkdale. We we're going to open up uh, in Clarkdale. And I was at the little farmer's market down here, and they had a really progressive group running the town at that point. And they bullied me into putting a building in Old Town, and that's how we ended up in Old Town. Which was your first one here? Nick's. Nick's. First. That's a good restaurant. We've eaten there. Nick's was pre-recession, and it opened up with such success. We opened the tavern to take some of the pressure off right in time for the recession. Perfect time. Yeah. And but we got through it all. It was just it all worked out. Now the tavern was opened before the hotel then portion as well? Sure. The tavern opened in two thousand and five. Um, the hotel I owned the building and I was I had it leased out to a, a health club. And the city built a big health club. We have a beautiful uh, facility here in Cottonwood, like something out of Scottsdale, a, a much larger city. And um, it put, you know, just put all the little mom and pops out of business. And so Michelle and I were living above the tavern. That, that was our home at the time. Michelle in Italy liked that whole idea of a rooftop garden and living above a building. Many phases, 17 houses. Um, and the building was sitting empty and it was still the recession, so we couldn't do a restaurant. So we just decided to do a big guest house, thinking maybe someone would want to stay up. And we had friends. We didn't like any of the accommodations to stay, so... And it just kind of took off. But again, it's those choices that really made uh, a difference in the life of Old Town. You know, right. I, mean, I think Eric's 
Eric's very modest about that and, and casual about, you know, as well as all kind of personal decisions for him, and I think it is too, but he always is thinking very long-term and very long-range. Uh, the things he does benefits the community in such ways because when he opened Nick's, it was only open for dinner. That gave people a, a, a reason to come back to Old Town in the evening. That's what started changing because back in the day, Old Town was deserted by four in the afternoon. That was right. it. It was just dead. And uh, that kind of turned that around. And when he opened the hotel, again, it sort of gets people... Uh, at that time, there wasn't a really good place to stay in Old Town and stay around. But he gives them that reason. He comes in uh, and not only just opens a little modest motel, it's beautiful. It's yeah. spectacular inside. Yeah. It's gorgeous inside. Yeah. And stuff. So it's the kind of place where you want to come and not just spend the day as in Cottonwood, but you want to make the weekend of it all longer and stuff. So uh, it, all, each of those little steps have been such a boom to this community. It truly is that if you build it, they will come. That's our that's our philosophy. You know, you got to kind of think it out a little. You know, the hotel puts 90 people a day into my restaurants. And when you're on vacation, you have an extra cocktail, you order a dessert, you have an appetizer. And what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to hook you to the Verde Valley. Oh, We want you to live here. We want you to build a house, move here, and call it home. You know, because like I, I compare to people, like Michelle and I moved back to Scottsdale for a couple of years. A decade ago, we like we've been up here 20 years. We had the tavern grill down there. We we're going to commute back and forth, and um, and you start. I thought oh, I'm gonna move back to the city and go to the games and go to theater and do all these great things. Ah, we really didn't do anything different than we normally do. But you know, we have you know it's hot here, right? But our mornings are beautiful, our nights are beautiful, and when I have to go to Costco, you may have to drive 20 minutes, and I have to drive 30. I get to drive over Mingus Mountain. You know, I want to take Michelle out to dinner. I'm driving into the Red Rocks. You know, where you're driving in city traffic. We're winning by a lot. If you get, if you get the opportunity to live in this area, it is the best. And then really, the hotel sells houses. And, you know, people get it when they they start coming more and more because it's an easy trip. And we we land them, and you know, if we land them, you become a loyal customer too. So we're we're at we're looking for you. I will agree with that. And it might be warm here, but it's not as hot as the valley. You, you, it, it, it felt it this year, but the mornings are still nice. Like Michelle and I got up early and did a great hike this morning. And, um, and we were in, we were in Phoenix place? last night, and it was hot. Um, the best hike is my new place that I'm going to talk to Roger about because I'm so impressed with it off the record. He doesn't want, you don't want to spoil it by having it overcrowded? I'll, I'll be honest with you. Got a good it's, it's, it's private property behind a gate, and it is gold. Oh. And I have just personally stumbled upon it this year, and it's been there for many moons, and I did not know about it. Oh, but, I think uh, we but should you have to buy it. into it to get into it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hey there, podcast fans. Are you a native or not so native to Arizona? Looking for your first home? Wanting to upgrade, downsize, or relocate in Arizona? Need a trusted professional to help you sell? 
call our friend Michelle Gallegos, a fourth generation native Arizonan and a realtor with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Arizona Properties, 602-410-6887. Serving the real estate needs of both natives and not so natives alike, 602-410-6887. Michelle Gallegos. Welcome back to the Not So Native Podcast. I'm Rob Lamb. I'm Aaron Bailey. We are, by the way, we're at Crema, one of Eric's fantastic. It, it was almost standing room only. <laughs> and there's a coffee bar out on the sidewalk. Great idea. Uh, fantastic location. Fantastic place. What's the deal with that bar? Is that an old crate? A shipping crate? Oh, that's an old... Uh, oh, I see it! Oh, you know, a friend of mine just bought one of those, and they're going to turn it into their office. They live out in Buckeye. They, they wanted to get out of the city, too. They moved from L.A. into Goodyear. I'm putting eight of them next to Bocce. We're opening up a place called Bar Strata. Oh, really? And it's going to be unbelievable. So what's that going to be like? What is that going to happen? We're breaking ground now. Um, containers are being welded as we speak. Um, gonna we're going to stack them in weird shapes to create patio areas and private areas. And you know how all the street food trucks are so trendy? We're just going to park ours in a container. So it'll be that street food scene and waiting room. And we just need more bathrooms and space down there, to be honest. We just outgrown our building down the road. Yeah, it seemed like it was pretty happening at night. Yeah, it's going to be... We're excited. Oh, that's fun. You're like the Michelin man in Cotton. <laughs> like everything you touch turns gold. But no, I can show you my failures. Oh, uh, I can show you a property I'm selling right now. You yeah. know what? <laughs> well, that, they don't speaks, all that speaks a good word to people that, you know, try and try and fail and fail and fail because, you know, you, you do. You fail and you learn. Oh, we have failed. <laughs> we know what that tastes like. And that's true for most people. Yeah. Know? I learned more from failing than I ever did. Yeah. Sure. And when you approach it that way, it's a learning experience. Right. Then you're Oops. able to pick up and say, okay, <laughs> that wasn't good. I can do that again. We can move on now. But see, that's that's important that we talk. A lot of. Oh, go ahead. I'm not. I already ate. I'm married to a chef. My breakfast is great. <laughs> <laughs> So, a lot of people think that once you get started and you have success, that you're never going to fail again. And I think that it's important that we talk about, in general, not necessarily yours, but if you want to share a couple of those. Where you uh, I could tell you exactly where mine was, 1988, I remember like it was yesterday to the year. Um, I got, I opened as a kid, I literally walked into a bar and ended up at the restaurant because they needed to lease it out and needed people. And I said I thought I could do it. And um, and that's how me and a buddy got started. And um, then we opened, I met Michelle, so I met someone with talent and partnered with her for this career on. And we opened a place called Croutons and Dobson Ranch, the next Scottsdale supposedly. Yes. And, um, and we had a great restaurant and a great business, 
And that's when um, a lot of the Japanese market was coming to America and they were buying things up. And literally while we were working there, a family walked in and the child asked me, is this business for sale, sir? I said, everything has a price, move on. And uh, <laughs> the next day they cashed us out. Because they never saw the books, they wrote us a check. And I was already opening another restaurant. I was opening the Cardinal Sports Bar in Tempe, Arizona with a partner. That was the year we got the Cardinals in Tempe on Mill and Ash. And I'm like, it had a university in Ash. And it had to be a success. Cardinals, Cardinal Stadium, I have a good cook. Well, two things I learned. I learned not to have a partner. And I learned that the guys down the street at McDuffie's with a zillion dollars were going to give us an ass whooping like we had never seen before. And to top it off, nobody was a Cardinal fan. Because everyone in Arizona is from somewhere else. Right. So no one wants to go to a bar called the Cardinals. Right. So at that point, I learned how to cook chicken for the Colonel, original or extra crispy. And Michelle got to have a career at Fry's Delis and Bakeries. So it was a, it was a great moment in life. <laughs> <laughs> but learning experience. Learn plenty. Learn plenty. <laughs> we we've experienced, we haven't experienced that, but just even starting something, you learn so much. Well, it makes you have empathy for those who fail. Because you know so many small businesses fail in America, and you know you got to give people credit for trying. Uh, absolutely, because you don't know what you don't know until you, you know, Dick Cheney, right? You don't know what you don't know until you know what you don't know. <laughs> so, uh, you can think that you know everything, but you know nothing. Exactly. I, the older I get, the more ignorant I am. <laughs> One of my favorite stories uh, was uh, when they were getting ready to uh, open uh, Bocce is that uh, Michelle's already this great chef, but that wasn't enough for what she wanted to do there. Tell that story. Oh, well, Michelle, I mean, she's very passionate and she's very Italian. So there's two things going for her plus and minus in my mind. And um, so Michelle takes something on. I mean, she went to Italy. I mean, she went and worked in the kitchens over there and, and went to a pizza school, you know, to get a VPN training. And Monterey, California has their VPN training. I mean, she went to all of them. And it was funny because my daughter went for one of them. And they, I don't know, they spend a, you know, who doesn't want to spend a, a month on the coast over there, you know, in the Amalfi, you know, right? It's got to be terrible. And, but when it was time to leave, you know, they were very... Uh, adamant about, you know, I'll send you a pizza man, I'll send you a pizza man, this isn't women's work, this is man's work, which is, you know, oh. you want to fuel Michelle, and, you're, oh, and, you're, yeah, and you guys are up. sitting here giving me credit, keep in mind, I have a partner who works, does, actually does all the work, and I just go around shooting shit all day, and, um, I mean, she's the one who went to school, not me, and, uh, and, but, you know, she's like, pizza man, my, you know, and, but, yeah, I mean, oh, she, yeah. she goes, and I mean, she sources her ingredients, you know what I mean? When you go to Bocce, there's only one tomato used there, you know, for the pizza, and, and she hasn't brought to the state for her, and, and, and olive oil. And I mean, she just, you know, she makes her own mozzarella. She, you know. Oh, wow. And so, giving her more space over there, she's into the street food scene there. We did, uh, we were in northern Italy. Uh, I had never been up to that area from, I mean, Michelle's been to Venice a few times, but I hadn't. And you know, and went to uh, Bologna, which I would have told you was a country. I didn't even know it was in Italy. And, <laughs> and, and Lake Como and, and stuff. But they, they do the, the uh, cheppies, or chep, I don't know what it's called, little street food type things. And so she's obsessed with bringing that here. And it should be, it should be something. Well, it'll be different. 
you know, always trying to be something that no one else is and a little different. You know, even like Remy sit here, but there was no one focusing on this type of food. We are very traditional here in Codwoods. We just look for those markets. We're not looking anymore. We're not trying to open anything else up. Other than your container. Well, we're expanding on things we own, and um, we have, I can't, we're acquiring another property. Unfortunately, I don't want to, but no, the person's yeah. retiring, and I can't let it go. Oh, yeah. It'll come out here in the next few weeks. <laughs> I can't because of the confidentiality. They don't want their people to know. Sure, but sure. I won't let it go away. But we're really trying to pull. <laughs> well, that's what you did with this place. I mean, right. this place was started by a couple of young ladies, yes, and, and uh, they had a nice little business going. It was uh, a, a nice thing, and when I think they wanted to get out of it, well, they're at the end of the road. Yeah, okay. uh, you know, I mean, Eric stepped in, and uh, you know, because again, this is an important part of Copland. You see how the kind of business this place does. Sure. So he's a, he, they came in, expanded it, changed the menu a little bit, took it in a different direction, but essentially kind of built on what was already here. And, uh, you know, so now you can come, uh, Copland, you can have breakfast, lunch, and dinner here, you know, in Old Town without ever, you know, which is great for, especially for people who are come for the wine and whatever, just want to, you know, check into the hotel, go around, drink, 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 eat, oh, yeah. eat, eat, drink, 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 you know, and then get back in their car and go to Phoenix. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's perfect. So everything's which, right here. Which is what has caused us to expand the hotel again, which, you know, we'll be opening this this next month, the back opens, if you didn't notice it back there. So we'll have the swimming pool, the fitness center. And it's not that people want to hang in the pool. They need those lounge chairs. <laughs> This group of women behind me, for instance, I stayed in the penthouse last night. I noticed they're all drinking water today. How I remember them last night. <laughs> we, we experienced that down, down the street. We stayed at the Iron Horse house. Yeah. That's your place. Sure, well, sure, sure. So we wanted to stay at the Saturdays are tough. Yeah, but, uh, but I was up till 3.30 last night. Not because I was imbibing. But we got other people in the courtyard here. I'm guessing female. No. Okay. Because in general, we have women. It's a, it's a great female trip up here because of the wine tasting. Oh, yeah. It's girl trips. It's, it's bachelorette parties. It's reunions. Oh, there was a bachelorette party at Bachi. Yes, there was. Yes. We had three different ones at the hotel. Bachi was a female destination. Yes, yes. And, uh, yes. And for but all they the need that lounge chair to, you know, it's, you can't be passed out in your room, you're being worthless. But if you're sitting by the pool, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're on vacation, though. So, how, would you suggest how far in advance making a reservation at the town? Oh, there you go. Good question. Three months. Really? For, for, for weekends. Yeah. I think so we're probably, we're booked probably through December on the weekends. It was earlier this year that the tavern was voted one of the most romantic hotels in the country by a trip advisor, right? Yeah, but it's our wine getaways, I believe. It just gets the right, let's get the right words trending. I really think it's my great marketing I do in the Arizona Republic. <laughs> I, run, I run three ads a week in that newspaper, 52 weeks a year. Hey, people I, still read it. I, 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 still heard, it. I still write the check, and let me tell you, it's not a I heard that you have a guy. Did you know over there? Uh, you know a guy over yeah, there. Yeah, but no discounts yet. And you know, it's time to re-up that contract. Oh. <laughs> it's funny because the contract ran out. I didn't know it. 
the guy calls, they get new salesperson calls. Hey, do you have any desire to run your ad again? I'm like, did we quit? <laughs> 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 Uh, well, change of the guard. Uh, how did I lose my purse and I had? I had it a long time. So are the local businesses all really supportive of each other? Yes, yeah, everyone gets along really nicely in Old Town. It's a nice group. So you have a good chamber? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Chamber of Commerce? I don't know. Yes, we have a Chamber of Commerce. Is everybody... Okay. But everybody in Old Town gets along. Association. It's an OCA too. Oh, association, okay. and they work hand in hand. Okay. They just recently moved their office, so they have a nice new building. Okay. If you'd like to visit, you have to try to find it. It's on a side street. Yeah. Well, I mean, you wouldn't want to take up the prime real estate. They had the prime real estate. There were the new Starbucks. And they sold up the piece of property in a prime location and moved it to a side street. Okay. Nice. Well, that's interesting. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. I love the eclectic feel of downtown, the old town area. It's We're a work in progress, you know, because I'm, I have the privilege of doing business in Jerome, and I kind of feel like it's a privilege because it's our turn. Um, there's not near near the traffic. So, you know, the folks down here have to try a little harder, and it's a work, you know, it's one, one year at a time. You know, it's a building. The, the wineries made all the difference. The tasting rooms, you know, that's what, which is what inspired us to build the hotel. We we frequent Winery One Hundred One down in Glendale, or Peoria, and it's nice to see them up here. We had heard about them. Do you know them, uh, Gavin? Yeah, uh, a, a little bit just because we go in. There. He's a good talker. They, my guess, you know, we, in our wine getaway, he's one of the tasting rooms. We we have part of our deal. <laughs> And um, they do a really nice job with the, the guests and the, the visitors. Okay. That room has a nice feel. Sitting up at the bar, it's more of a uh, socializing thing than sitting at a table by yourself. Yeah, yeah. She was busy with homework. They were doing their thing, and I just went in there and had conversations. It's like we're in Peoria as well, but they're tasting really Very nice. So, grapes. Were you? Buying into the we opened, we became great before the wine thing really started taking off here. Oh, okay, just, that's what again, I just yeah. a coincidence or a luck thing. You know, we really hadn't taken off here yet. We we're just looking at a different way of what to offer the the traveler. You know, and looking to be different than the haunted hamburger. And um, it's funny, most of the names and concepts are, are evolved around vacations and water. We can normally name what vacation which name was came up with. And Michelle just won, you know, we were talking about, and I think I wanted to, I can't remember, but I was into the wine because I was trying to do a check average of, well, if I can have three beers, we better, you know, and we were sure. we were selling more food than beer, and we ran out of room, the building is so small, I couldn't expand it, and we could, and it was just, it was tight to make beer in that space, it was miserable, so we sold off the equipment, we're just going to reconcept, and she said, I'm just going to call it grapes, and I'm like, that works, and it did. When I heard about them deciding to make wine up here in this area, I thought, that's interesting. Only because I, you know. You picture Napa. Huh? You picture Italy, you picture Napa. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm thinking, it's the desert. For God's sake, it's high desert. 
It's hot desert, which is important. It has that elevation. Yes. It has that volcanic soil yes. close to the water. Right. And it has the big temperature swings. Yeah. You know, get it, that dramatic cool down at night, which brings out the best characters in the graves and stuff. So it all works. Yeah. It, it took a while for me to learn that. Yeah. It, at first, I was like, what? And then I learned that Napa is at about 5,000 feet above sea level over in, in or, or in, in, in uh, France is about 5,000 feet above sea level. I'm like, okay. Okay, makes sense. All the all the wine areas in Arizona, down around Wilcox uh -huh. and uh, and uh, Sonoida, Patagonia, uh, Sonoida and Elgin and stuff. Again, all that it's that same thing. It's that you know that higher elevation right. uh, between three and five thousand feet, and again with that uh, the, that good rich soil, that uh, a lot of that volcanic soil, and uh, um, uh, but uh, out where you're getting. That dramatic temperature swings, that's really essential, that's really important. Now they're starting to do more and more wineries up, uh, uh, even along Route 66. They're doing some in Kingman and Williams, and I mean in uh, uh, Winslow and Williams, so they're kind of pushing that, you know, to see how high, you know, they get it. Because now they're getting up above a mile, around a mile, so you're kind of in that, you know, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know, I'm sure they've done the research. Some of these tasting rooms have breaks in Kingman on that area. They're going there to pick up breaks. Yeah. Wow. Which I was I was unaware of that to this year. It's fascinating. I love that because you don't you know people would not automatically associate Arizona with grape growing, but you know we that's, do have a vibrant wine community. Absolutely. Again, it's just a testament to the diversity of of thought. Contrary to what the media likes to say about a lot of things about Arizona, we're not, we're, we're very progressive in our thinking. We're, you know, first woman governor, first, you know, all those sure, things along those lines. And, and, in a lot of ways, very progressive in our thinking. I'll buy anybody. What? I'll buy that. You can go all the way to Goldwater. You can go way back. Yeah. To, to, the way we the, the, the thought process you have to think differently if you're going to survive in Arizona. The reason I own old buildings is Terry Goddard. I used to park his car, and he was into historic preservation. I oh, mean, really? something as simple as that. He just told me an inspiring story once, and I bought into it. Oh. So I do a new building when you can do an old building, and blah blah blah. I and mean, he was way into it. And I parked his car when I worked at one of the hotels down in Phoenix. Really? But you know, there was a politician or someone who just I, I, I drank his, but you know, he was ahead of his time in that thinking about historic districts and, and, and. He probably doesn't get enough credit for the downtown. I mean, he's a big part of this. I had an opportunity to shake his hand at the Nash. We stopped into the Nash when we did an interview with them. And, and uh, it's, it's a, it's a, just really neat man. Yes. That's one of the things that gives Cottonwood its charm, its old town charm. These are all prohibition era buildings yeah. after a couple of fires that burnt down yeah. and they had to kind of come up with new regulations. Built in the late 20s, that uh, concrete uh, little separation walls, but you still have the front and side walls and stuff. Just has that really nice picturesque little feel for this little stretch. It's very, very quaint. Yeah. I noticed the date on that building over there, December 1923. What building? Is that where the, did you say the movie theater was? No, is that the, where ta the, tavern the, the tavern grill used to be the movie theater. Uh, uh -huh. Very nice. 
Tavern Grill, but you can still see like char marks on the walls. And, and we did there. nothing. That just happened. The building burnt down. So all we did was put a clear coat over it because it was so cool to see it. Yep. And if you really look at the history, you can tell that the theater was originally built with a balcony. And then through the years, they took the balcony out and dug it out and did the concrete. You used to walk up like five steps and then down into it. And that was a, a redoing of it to make it all work. But literally, the stories on the wall, you can see the two renovations and how it changed through time. So, what's neat that you preserved it? It was neat that it was there to preserve. It should be hard to find here in Arizona. What? Starting to appreciate that kind of thing because they like to hear the story behind the story and see those layers of history. That's where those writers come in. That's right. <laughs> you tell the story. Yes, to tell the story. Exactly. Someone has to. Now you mentioned each each restaurant kind of certification or like what tie it back to, right? Is that part of me? So each restaurant you mentioned grapes or whatever, like there's a vacation that kind of. Well, it's a thought. It's a day trip, or you know, sure. So, how's the concept then, like within the restaurant itself, so like that, the kind of the patio feel here? How did you come up with that? Is that kind of so? Your like on this that? particular restaurant, we did a name. This is Crema, right? So, so a couple of girls opened it, and um, it was fun right off. Um, but it wasn't what you see today. There was the little area on the inside, and the patio ended maybe 20 feet behind us, and there was a fence. And it was more a walk-up service thing, and, and everything back there, there was no kitchen. It was very small. Um, but she she was ahead of her time bringing the cool breakfast to, you know, you know from the, the better burrito and, the, and chili kias and a few of the items. Um, she was ahead of her time, but she wasn't necessarily, she was more of a, a craftsman than a restaurateur. And so they just... Um, and other restaurants opened, all of a sudden there was the Red Rooster, Old Town Cafe was already here. You know, they were kind of splitting the pie. Um, and so when we came here, I mean, we've been to all the cool breakfast places around the country. You know, I mean, even down in Phoenix, you know, a snooze. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think there's one over there on Shane Scottsdale I like quite a bit. But um, it, it was easy. Michelle likes, you know, she can start thinking what she can do different or better in her mind. You know, but food is art, so, you know, what we think is better, you may not. So, but so, right, I just happened to marry this girl that most people buy into her menus. Well, I think she has a great idea for menus, because everything on this menu is, is hard to choose. Yeah, yeah. Have you thought of a good barbecue joint? I'm just asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Yes, there is a we yes, yes and yes. Yes. Okay. Alright. Oops, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I get excited. Especially when we're talking about food. I love it. I love it. Aren't the pumpkin pancakes here or things from just making we're making them? Michelle made them at home. Yeah, a lot of home a lot of things on the menu are just things that I get to have at home. You know, Michelle Michelle's into pumpkin. So, you know, we have pumpkin pancakes. It's not that wasn't necessarily trendy, it's just something she makes, you know. And East Coast is different than, you know, like I was just on I was in Newport for Michelle's uh, Newport, Rhode Island for Michelle's grandmother turned hundred. And um, so we were there at her party. But you know, they do they put peppers um, sweet and hot peppers in their calamari and kind of vinegary uh, of flavor that we don't do here. And there's all sorts of, you know. So Nick's was a lot of the East Coast 
you know, the reason Nick's is Italian steak and crab, and by the way, there used to be a pool table in the front of it. There was no one down here, so we just were everything thinking who might eat what. Right. You know, right. now right. it's too much, but it is what it is at this point. We couldn't figure out what it was going to be. You know, seafood, pasta, steak, bar. We'll just keep throwing darts. Throw, throw, throw it at the wall. That's all. That's all. And Nixon's with Cole, so that was an easy one. That's our dog. We didn't know we were going to have two children at that point. <laughs> so my son unfortunately carries my name, so there will never be an Eric. So. <laughs> he was supposed to be named Sire Eric backwards, C-I-R-E. And my wife told me all through the pregnancy that she was with it until the day the kid came out and she says, are you out of your mind? I was never in the I didn't have enough time to come up with anything else. She came up with that. I was going to name our son Rico Suave, but she decided against it. <laughs> I wanted Sire and Shade. I got to call in air. I lost. Uh, I told Ryan, aren't you glad your mother intervened? It's always a struggle naming your kid. It didn't seem to be a struggle for Michelle at all. Oh, yeah. I have, huh? Well, you know, she loved you. Hey, I didn't. As she pointed out, I carried it. It's a tough argument. You get 90% of the vote. I really only had 1% when it comes right down to it. Absolutely. I feel it was amazing. There you go. Fantastic. We love, we love coming here. Thanks. We just love hanging out. In all times, it's a good place to go for a hike. Come back from your hike. Go grab a nice lunch. A couple glasses of wine. Hang around some more. Wander around. And, and then... Or, or a bottle, as they just or, or talk, two. or two. Yeah. 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 I, I, and I assume we all live in the valley, obviously, we and the west side of you said Peoria. Yeah. And, um, right. So it's quick. Yeah, it's quick. You know, it's a, it's an easy. You can do it for 48 hours even and have a a change of scene. Especially with young kids, it's nice to have that quick getaway. I feel like that's why we ran the, when we got the romancing for trip advisor. I said it's two things. I said number one, I believe we must in our wine packages and our sales, we must have had keywords pop up, you know, that made made it happen. But also for the couples, our wine getaway, the deal number one, it's inexpensive. You drive up here, it's only like three left hand turns, couple rights, you know. So we're not arguing over directions. Right. It's, we're not in the car too long together as a couple. It's easy to park. Yep. The first thing we tell you to do is have a free drink. We want you to have a little wine, which should lead to relations. Of course, we're the most romantic. And, you know, so we have everything not to get into a fight. No airplane, no travel, no getting lost, no. That's the key to a successful trip. Yes. That's out of my 37 years of marriage. That's how I feel. It's I-17 to 260 West. It's very simple. There you go. Whether you're coming from north or south, doesn't matter. A couple lefts yeah. and a right. Yep. Yeah. Nothing to it. Or, or if you want the more scenic drive, 89A. Well, or the, if you really want to do it, it's the opposite. You go and take go through Payson and take that way up here. Like oh, this. yeah. From the so east side, highway. That, it, that's the yeah, best that's way. Nice it follows the lower part of the Mogollon Rim. Beautiful By drive. By far the prettiest way to get to the Verde Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've camped up in this area all over years and years, and we love it. We love 
We are looking forward to this, this nice gentleman here spending some time with us, showing us the real Dead Horse Ranch. Because we came up here one time to camp at Dead Horse Ranch, and it was not what I've seen in pictures. So, years ago, probably a decade ago, yeah. yeah so. I love Dead Horse. We, we're looking forward to hearing the stories and understanding it's a big quality of life issue for people that live here. Yeah. It's oh. 10 minutes from my house. So, to, you know, those 10 minutes I leave my house and I'm hiking in the backcountry, I'm hiking down by a river, or hiking in the hills, yeah. hiking around the lagoons, I'm seeing wildlife, you know, just just that quick. It's, you know, that uh, changes. It's, you know, one of the amazing things that Arizona does, you have that instant access to, uh, uh, to wildlife. Right. It's also one of the reasons I wrote my state park book. There you go. State parks. Arizona State Park. So people to realize what little hidden gems these are. And more people need to know about them. Well, the people, you know, I mean, for us, for Eric and I and, and people in the town, we know how important that horse is. It's, you know, how essential it is, not just as a destination for visitors, but how, how much it means to us. Uh, how much it defines our community and stuff, and um, you know, and I think that's what most of the state parks, you know, most of the national parks are in very remote areas, you know, right. a long way. But the state parks are almost all tied to a community; they're all kind of connected, whether they're a historic park or a scenic park, and that that's really essential. You know, that's why when they had those the financial troubles back in 2008, 2009, and the legislature just took all the state park money to use it for other things. It was all the local volunteers, it was all the communities that stepped up and said, even though they were kind of struggling too, it said, we need to save this, we need to protect this park. Fortunately, you know, Dead Horse is a, a good money maker, but like Fort Verde was scheduled to close. It was, you know, it was the people of Camp Verde that came, stepped up and, and uh, um, you know, it was the volunteers that came by and, 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 uh, and made the changes and kept the, the lights on, kept the doors open, started taking money. A lot of the little state parks during that time, like Fort Purdy's one of them, they had one employee. That's all they have, and it was all, the rest are all volunteers. Wow. Keeping them open. So, so. That's, that's a great story right there. You wouldn't think... I don't know, I, I think that tourism is such a, a draw for Arizona. You wouldn't think that they would completely abandon the state park budget. Well, you know, it was very short-sighted, but yeah, and again, I think, you know, I always kind of feel like the state parks are overlooked a little bit. They're, they're sort of... There are these hidden gems. People don't realize just how incredible they are. Um, you know, I mean, the entire history of Arizona can be told in the state parks. Right. You know, from the uh, the, the ancient cliff dwellings. Yeah. Uh, with the state park that's a, a Spanish colonial presidio, where the first European settlement in Arizona took place. With Wild West forts, with Wild West uh, courthouses, uh, legend, a notorious Huskow, the Civil War battle site, uh, the, uh, the uh, underpinnings of Arizona economy, mining, timber, 
uh, ranching are all represented by state parks. And then that's just the historic parks. Then you have the uh, the scenic parks over here where you preserve uh, Sonoran deserts, you preserve high grasslands, forests, uh, craggy canyons, mountains, uh, you know, ancient cave, you know, living caves, uh, one of the Southwest legendary swimming holes. Uh, uh, you know, all again, all these are state parks and stuff, but it's, you know, people think Grand Canyon, uh, Arizona's the Grand Canyon State, we're defined by a national park. Right. Um, you know, so, and man, I, I get to the Grand Canyon every opportunity, every chance I get and stuff. But it's an ordeal, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a drive and, you know, you're going right. to spend a couple days there. You know, one of the state parks, you can get there, you know, maybe not 10 minutes like for me, but within an hour you're at a state park you've got a nice little day trip you visit you do a day trip or a weekend you're not going to have the crowds you're not you know you can camp you can fish you can swim you can hike uh, you know you can take a you can take a class you can take a ranger-led hike you can tour a mansion you can tour a cave you know there's just it's just such great little getaways that are just kind of you know more for the residents than the out-of-state visitors, and that's, you know, the story that I wanted to tell. Yeah. And even some of the state parks you can sleep at in the cabin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's been one of the, the big additions. Uh, Dead Horse is one of those. You've got to go down this little shady lane overlooking the river, and there are these, you know, eight uh, beautiful little rusty heated and air-conditioned cabins. Really? Yeah. 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 And, and the, the Verde Valley... This area that we're going to be covering in the podcast is is very famous in the bird watching. Now. Oh yeah, we're yeah. The uh, Nature and Birding Festival takes place every April here. It's become a huge event. But yeah, we're this is a, a huge bir birding area because of the Birdie River and because of all the creeks coming down from the Muggio and Rim, Oak Creek, uh, uh, the Creek, Sycamore Creek, uh, Carson Spring, Fossil Creek. Beaver Creek, uh, Dry Creek, uh, you know, all these that come tumbling down the river. So there's all these little riparian corridors that connect up. So this is a big migratory uh, getaway. When we get to Dead Oars, I'll tell you about my uh, one of my uh, my mortal enemy, a great blue heron that lives there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear. They are a big it, it's, it's a completely one-sided feud. I, I, I bear the, the, the poor creature no ill will, even though I can often call him a gangly idiot, but, <laughs> but he absolutely hates me. Oh boy. I can't wait to hear that story, and you'll have to tune in for that episode. Wow. I'm so glad that, that there have been so many that have put effort into preserving these state parks, because they really are important for, you know, not just the residents of Arizona, but just in general to pass that on to future generations. That, Places are preserved. These are beautiful. Oh, yeah. There's such a story to tell. Each one, yeah. Dead Horse is a big deal to the Birdie I mean, that particular state park. From here, you can walk, take the jail trail. You know, so I can walk by the water, under the bridge, cross the bridge, walk the three ponds, along the creek, or along the Birdie River. And, you know, it's, it's just. You know, it's not, there's not a lot of water in Arizona. When you get to have that, and it's it's free and taken care of, and, 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 you know. Because you can walk in the trail at no cost. And uh, it's, I, I, think, I think my grandkids there, um, 
on Sundays. For instance, uh, that was today's hike. We go to the state park, we go to Dead Horse, there's a playground there, we walk the bonds because my daughter has a two-year-old and a six or a three-year-old and a six-month-old. And that was where I was pushing the stroller this morning. I use the I use that skateboard. Yeah. So you and Michelle live here. Well yeah, that Dead Horse is an uh, it's a great kid-friendly park and a, and a, a dog-friendly park, and for people with limited mobility. I've written about it for because I have a friend in a wheelchair, and that's where she goes because she can go around the lagoon, she can go off the canopy trail. There's an ADA trail, so it's just you know it means so much to her that she's able to get off pavement. You know, she's able to get off pavement and get into under trees and you know listen to birds and do all that stuff. So it's just. Really that's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I had the uh, burrito. Right here? Oh, that looks so good. Great, thanks. This is the time for me to exit. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move out there. It was great seeing you, man. Anytime you want to talk, yeah, let me know. Let's gossip. I'll check out my new home at the next yeah. state Yeah, okay. Park. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for making the time, Thank you for joining us here at the Not So Native Podcast. Be sure to check us out on our website, notsonativepodcast.com, and leave a comment or two. Also, follow us on social media to get the latest update on our adventures. Until next time. Until next time.